ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this special Christmas bonus no rules rules episode of Vault Supreme's Synth VGM Dream Stream Machine podcast. The podcast where we usually play the synthiest video game music in the universe. Usually. <laughs> well, I'm very excited about this episode. Um, we are going to be looking at the 1983 soundtrack to the film Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence by Ryuichi Sakamoto. This is no doubt one of my favorite soundtracks, but as far as synth soundtracks go, this could even be my number one. Uh, Blade Runner could be, you know, a close contender, but look, it doesn't really matter. We don't need to pick and choose. It's The point is just that this is an excellent and very unique soundtrack and I hope that if you haven't already heard it you'll really enjoy discovering this soundtrack with us during this episode so before we kick off I'd like to dedicate this episode to two people firstly Kung Fu Carlito uh, Carlos actually made a comment in the discord last week about uh, possibility of a Yellow Magic Orchestra or Ryuichi Sakamoto podcast well <laughs> this might be as close as we get my friend um, and I'm sure Carlos is very familiar with this soundtrack and the film uh, as he's one of the hosts of the Asian cinema podcast Heroes 3 so I hope you enjoy this episode Carlos and maybe you guys could cover this film if you haven't already and right, I'd also like to dedicate this episode to Ed Wilson, the host of the VG Embassy, which seems to be coming to an end, sadly, um, at least for the foreseeable future. It's, a, it's sad to hear, but I totally understand Ed's reasoning behind the decision, um, and he's made that clear to his listeners in his Discord channel. But I also put out a request to see who people would want to have back on the show as a Christmas guest. Almost everyone chose a different guest, which is very interesting and pretty cool. But Ed suggested seeing if our friend uh, Chef Oliver Ackhurst would be interested in coming on the show again. And I thought that was the perfect suggestion for this episode. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen coming to us all the way from his downtown London restaurant, it's master chef and music producer, Oliver Ackhurst. Welcome to the show once again, Oliver Ackhurst, great to have you. Thank you, Vops, it's great to be back with you once again, listening to some absolutely parker music. This piano piece has got me all buttered up, and I just can't wait to turn up the heat and devour this rich and fragrant soundtrack. (laughs) It's my pleasure, Ollie. It's so good to have you back with us. So what we're listening to now is the solo piano version of the classic theme song. Such a simple but effective piece of music. Absolute perfection. Yeah, Ollie, I agree. But before we talk any further, I think we should kick things off properly with the uh, main theme, the original version. So this is the title track, Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence, from 1983 by the amazing Ryuichi Sakamoto. Enjoy. (laughs) 
music. Yeah. Such simplicity, yet such heart-wrenching emotions. Oh, false. This is really taking me back to my youth. Yeah, what an amazing track. I've been listening to this song for so many years now, and even now, it just still hits me st- Straight in the feels. There's, there's not many parts to it, but it's just so well written. The production is excellent. Uh, it definitely sounds, it definitely sounds like it's from the 80s. But I just love every bit of that production. A perfect blend of piano, the bells, percussion, and the synth. Really amazing stuff. Um, Oli, you were saying this takes you back to your youth. Yes. Have you heard this soundtrack before? Volts. My father did have this on record when he was younger. I, I think it was because he was a big David Bowie fan. And I think... I know, I know I know, I saw this on VHS during the 80s, but that was a long time ago now. Oh, so many cinnamon trouts and buttered anchovy pies. My memory is a little bit hazy of those youthful years. But look, it's been a soundtrack I've been meaning to revisit for a long time now. No doubt this will be an excellent little trot down memory lane. Mm. I'm truly looking forward to this, false. Absolutely. Yeah, good. Well, look, I'm just going to come out and say it. <clears throat> I have not actually seen this film. I hear it's actually really good, but ah, I've just got this little fear that once I watch the movie, it will kind of dispel some of the magic of the music. Um... I certainly intend on watching this eventually, and I've come very close a few times, especially since the uh, passing of David Bowie. Quite a few times this has come up on the television, and I'm just, oh, am I going to watch it? No, tonight's not the right night. So we're not going to be talking much about the film during this episode, but that's fine because the music certainly stands on its own. Oh, most certainly. Uh, but Oliver... um. One of the things that Ed Wilson requested was that we do a Christmas bake-off oh. during this episode. <laughs> now, I know you're a chef and not a baker, but right. do you think do you think it would be possible to maybe lean a little bit more towards the bakery side of things for the rest of the episode? Yes. <laughs> I'm certainly no professional baker, but as a two-michelle and that chef, I obviously know a thing or two about bakery. And well, certainly we don't hire a bakerologist to handle all our baking in the kitchen at my restaurant. But there are many baker-related dishes that do require a very keen sense of back-eye sense in order to really reach perfection. So I, I know a thing or two, and I, I think I might be able to swing a little bit of baker analogy here or there for your, your friend, Edward. Uh, that Look, that's perfect. That's great. Let's get to the next song. Um, This next song is... uh, Look, I don't know much about bakery myself, but this sounds kind of like a bakery kind of thing. This track is called Batavia. Oh. And this... uh, Vaults, you realise that Batavia is a horrible Australian story of mass murder. You realise that, don't you? Uh, no. Anyway... Uh, let's get to the song. I'll look into that later, Ollie. This is called Batavia, and it's a short and sweet little loop that um, has some nice ambient sounds around it. It's it's a nice little track that kind of sets up the rest of the soundtrack. It's track number two. Anyway, enjoy this. <laughs> <laughs> 
by Ryuichi Sakamoto. to that but look whenever I listen to this soundtrack that is the second track and it just seems to set up the mood for everything else that's to come a little bit of suspense in the music and the sounds really pull you into some sort of environment which I think is a pretty clever move for a soundtrack where you're not actually watching or experiencing the film pulls you into the into the moment anyway Let's get to the next track and we can talk a little bit more after that. So for me, I think, um, I feel like this soundtrack is divided into two categories of ensembles. You've got the synths and then you've got the live acoustic ensembles. We're going to skip past a few of the acoustic tracks to a synth track. And now, one of the things I love about Sakamoto-san is that he, he's someone who can write some really complex pieces of music he's he's brilliant really Um, and actually after the soundtrack pretty much everything he does is mostly for full orchestra but what I really appreciate about him even with his orchestral scores is his ability to use minimalism when it's needed Uh, I think we need to talk about that a little bit later on but here's a nice and simple synth track called Before the War Enjoy. Thank you. 
mentioned minimalism but you know that track is not as simple as it initially sounds i don't know if i'd call that polyrhythm but to me that sounds very interesting i'm talking about the different layers of melody on the synths quite subtle but they seem to be following their own uh time signature even if the rhythm is all locked to the same time signature the cadences or the phrasing I don't know. I wish I had the words. Each musical phrase seems to be ending or starting at different points. Yes. And I'll fade it up so you can listen again for yourselves. And then, Ollie, yep. we'll get your opinion if you wouldn't mind. Uh, uh, absolutely. actual definition for what we're hearing but I think what it does show is that the complexity of Sakamoto's music goes well deep beneath the surface and maybe it's these kind of subtle complexities that you don't really hear um, but it allows you to come back and enjoy the soundtrack over and over again year after year (laughs) I'm just I'm speaking for myself but Ollie do you have any comments that you'd like to make before we move to our next track? Uh, yes, well, I think you've definitely hit the nail on the head there, but I, mm. I would maybe compare this kind of subtle complexity to sugar caramelization. You know, when it comes to baking, caramelization absolutely terrifies people. Oh, really? Yes, I know it involves molten sugar that can burn a hole through a royal stocking, but... <laughs> As long as you adhere to the proper baking technique, you can create a wide range of subtle flavor complexities by simply heating a standard, plain ingredient. Mm. Sugar. I feel like that's exactly what Sakamoto-san is doing here. Now, sorry to change the subject a little bit, Vols, but one of the cardinal rules of film composition is to not invade the experience of the viewer, but to enhance the experience. Now, I think Sakamoto has probably done a wonderful job here by keeping the music very simple on the surface, but introducing his special complexities much deeper down Mm. at a level that the viewer will not actually pick up, but will actually psychologically experience. It's very much the same as sugar caramelization. It adds richness any old Randall would not pick up on, but no doubt it's there. And the chef knows it. Oh, yes, he does. The chef most definitely does. Oh, wow. That's actually something very close to what I would probably say. Caramelizing sugar is a vital vital, vital experience for making beautiful crackling candy glazes and caramel candies. Whether you're creating cake topping or sauce or candies, this is one baking skill that 
any baker needs to master, and certainly one that needs to be translated into music production. All right, Ollie, oh, I th- we need to move on, Ollie. So yes. let's get to our next track. Next track, and this uh, this next track is a f- um, Ollie. <laughs> this next track is it's a five minute track made of many parts. But what we're gonna do? We're gonna go to the thirtieth anniversary soundtrack where there are some alternative uh, versions or tracks that we can listen to. And I'm assuming that these are not unused tracks, but the actual versions of the tracks that are used in the movies for the individual scenes. So let's listen to this one-minute 30th anniversary version of The Seed and the Sower, M16, and we'll fade back in with the original soundtrack version, which goes for five minutes. All right. So that was the Seed and the Sower M16 from the 30th Anniversary Edition. And now you're listening to... Hold on, this sounds like an entirely different track. (laughs) Yeah, so what you heard was basically the last minute of what's also named the Seed and the Sower on the soundtrack. It actually introduces some main themes, so I felt like we needed to play it in the background. But it's just a little too long and it was... It really is a whole lot of songs or tracks put into one, so we couldn't really play it. Uh, Fair enough. So let's get a little bit of uh, background info on this soundtrack. I mentioned David Bowie before. I've actually seen this soundtrack labelled online, not officially, but I've seen this labelled as a David Bowie and Ryuichi Sakamoto soundtrack. (laughs) Now, I will tell you that David Bowie had nothing to do with this soundtrack other than... Uh, being one of the actors of this film. And Sakamoto-san was also an actor on this film. You might think Ruichi Sakamoto, 1983, quite a famous Japanese musician worldwide at this point. Yes. Uh, you might think he was probably asked to score the film and also picked up some <laughs> an acting job on the side as, a, I don't know, like a side character. Well, it was not the case. Uh, Sakamoto was actually asked to act in the film before there was any talk of composing at all. He plays one of the main characters, Captain Yonoi. Um, and again, it appears to be a very deep and complex movie dealing with some really serious World War II themes. But as I haven't seen it, I don't want to pretend I know anything more than what I've read. So we'll stick to the music for now and just the information I know. Anyway, just as Sakamoto was asked to act in this film, so was David Bowie. But neither were actually asked to do the soundtrack. So, here are Sakamoto's words from an interview with uh, Revelant magazine. He says, The very first movie I made music for was also the first movie I acted in. I was asked to act first. The director, Mr. Oshami, Oshama, 
came to visit me and asked me to act. Before I said yes, I asked him if I could make music for the film. He said yes. And so I said yes. Uh, when asked why Oshima approached him as an actor first rather than a musician, uh, Sakamoto said, It's a mystery to me. He chose me by looking at a photograph book I was in. But 30 years later, I got the whole story. Mr. Oshima first approached Robert Redford instead of David Bowie and a very famous Japanese actor instead of me. But his top three choices were refused. So we were his fourth choice. That's fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. (laughs) It definitely is. So I think we should fade up the rest of this song. It's nearly finished and then we'll come back. Last one minute we started with. Wow, what a powerful moment there at the end. I love how he uses the traditional Japanese percussion. Very minimal, but very effective. I, I do remember the, the Japanese presence of the concentration camp was very significant in this movie. And I can only imagine that this was a very deliberate decision by Sakamoto. So that's... This very minimal but effective use of instrumentation. It's just like a good sourdough bread. Back to the original essence of life. You know, there's a baker in Essex. His name is Soft Pauly. If you ever get to visit Essex Vaults, let me know and I'll get you in touch with Soft Pauly. He's, he's quite the baker, you know. And he's a big fan of natural yeasts for his sourdough ferment. Oh, absolutely rich on the palate, tart. Mm, I just, oh, I'd love to go back there when this COVID rubbish is just <laughs> done with. <laughs> All right. Yeah, thanks for that, Ali. Well, okay, so let's move to our next song. Look, what I really love about this soundtrack, I know it's a little bit simple musically, um, but the... The atmosphere in this soundtrack is so strong that when you, or at least when I listen to it, I really get pulled away from reality into some sort of other world. And some of these most simple tracks are the most powerful in my opinion. This is probably not the most simple, but let's play it anyway. This next track is Assembly. This is some real uh, atmospheric, heavy Uh, Not metal heavy, but just weight heavy 
Oh, this is a great, this is a great track. Let's check it out. It's called Assembly. I start with that. Some of those synths sound like bombs dropping. Some t- seem to be mimicking uh, the bugle, oh, which yes. is obviously a very commonly used instrument during World War One and Two, and definitely associated with assemblies as well. That's right. Yes. Uh, what else have we got? I don't know. One channel seems to be doing this Morse code kind of thing, or maybe it's a a warning signal. I don't know. But look. You might hear this and be underwhelmed, but remember, this is background music for a film. It has its purpose. Absolutely. And it's not supposed to be enjoyed or listened to like a normal song. There's no real melodies or chord changes or anything uh, musically complex in a classical sense, but this is just such a deep and complex piece of music. Uh, I don't know, in a modern sense, I guess. It's like every layer has some important task and... I just think there's a lot of thought connected to each part of this track. Look, I absolutely agree. This does remind me of a certain multi-layered baking technique that does require a lot of thought for the role of each layer. Oh my goodness, it's complex. Simple, simple ingredients, but complex, just like this. These pastry products that produce from this heterogeneous multi-layered dope system with where the main ingredients are just the usual basics like flour, water, fat, and sugar for the puff pastry, and the same plus yeast for the fermented pastry. Key aspects of this pastry production are 
may be building laminated dough containing alternating layers of dough and bakery fat, and then maintaining this multi-layered structure during processing to allow for steam entrapment for proper dough lift during baking. You end up with a very complex multi-layered and absolutely delicious piece of pastry that is quite difficult to properly execute. Yes. Absolutely fantastic. Just like this piece of music we've just listened to. Mm, yeah, fantastic. Yeah, that does sound pretty complex. And I think it's important to remember that this is both Sakamoto-san's first film soundtrack and acting job. After all his years of making music, I think it's pretty safe to say he was well-primed for making this soundtrack. Uh, all right, so let's move on. Seeing this is a Christmas episode, let's get uh, a little bit Christian with our next soundtrack, uh, our next track. This is 23rd Psalm, an excellent and very well-known psalm from the Old Testament. And I'm also going to play the track that comes after it, which is called Last Regrets. I'm assuming that is a uh, play on words referring to the Catholic idea of last rites. Anyway, I'm not sure of the context of all this, but I'm assuming it's kind of presented like an oxymoron, contrasting the, the darkness of what's going on with the hopeful psalm, even though the psalm is really describing how God can be like a, a shepherd who cares for and guides his sheep, giving them peace during times of darkness. It's actually fascinating stuff, but this is not a theological podcast, and I don't expect the writers of this film to have any real decent theological knowledge either. So let's get back to the music. I'm going to play the track that comes after, just because it's so effective. The time signature changes, and it just descends into this really mysterious piece of music. It's probably one of my favorite parts of the soundtrack, just when it switches over Really good stuff. Okay, so let's check it out. This is uh, 23rd Psalm, followed by Last Regrets. Enjoy.
last little bit is probably one of the real only moments in this soundtrack that really clearly sounds like an old uh, Sakamoto piece of music. This is, I don't know, other people might have different opinions. I know he's already done a lot of uh, kind of minimalist uh, experimental stuff by now, but this soundtrack seems to really stand out composition-wise, production-wise from anything he's done. Uh, full stop, really. So, yeah. I don't know. But this is another thing that I wonder. Um, All of the acting was done before he'd even started working on the soundtrack. I wonder whether the acting... Whether him acting in this film helped him to really feel the emotions of the film just that little bit more. Right. That's very fascinating point. It's like being a chef, really. You do enjoy eating something more because you're a chef. Um, but then, does that detract from the experience? It, it honestly is not a clear-cut answer. In some cases, being a chef results in one mentally dissecting a meal and overanalyzing the beauty. You know, you sometimes miss out on that mystery and that wonder associated with a just eating an amazing meal that you can just enjoy in complete ignorance. But then sometimes, so, sometimes you can really appreciate a meal knowing the deep intricacies of what was involved, the ingredients, the pieces of the puzzle all coming together, the difficulty. I, I, I wonder what it was like for Sakamoto-san being an actor in this film and and then coming at this film from another angle as a composer. Yeah, yeah. I tend to think that it did help him because in hindsight, we can we can listen to the soundtrack and uh, listen to how well it turned out. But as, you know, as viewers, without really thinking too much about it, we would naturally imagine that, oh, he was in the movie. He was one of the characters. He would have been feeling all the emotions of being that character. But at the time, I don't know, being an actor or a producer of the film, it really, I think it would probably really take you out of the experience. You see it from a professional side of view. Um, you know, you can imagine that his experiences, his experiences were lots of uh, takes surrounded by production staff and cameras and mics and lighting. He sees all the little bits that we don't see of all the pieces of string holding up the monsters <laughs> um and i don't know watching on the screen maybe would be easier it would be easier to relate to the story rather than actually being part of it and remembering all those behind the scene details that might take away the the mystery of of the movie so i don't know yes it's Absolutely fascinating. I'd love to actually know this for myself. Maybe next time Sakamoto-san is at my restaurant, Le Vise Bon Vu by Oliver Ackers, I might actually ask him myself. Yeah, and while you're at it, you may as well ask him to come on the show as well. That would be that would be excellent. All right, well, I think we're nearly... We're going to wrap things up pretty soon. So this next track, this is really cool. So... Um, I'm pretty sure this song already existed, at least the uh, vocal vocal part that is sung. But uh, the addition of the the synth 
underneath is just so, so creepy. And I love this. This is so good. I'm going to play the song that comes after it as well, um, The Seed, as they're both very short tracks. And then we'll, we'll close out. So we'll be back soon. Enjoy this. This is Ride, Ride, Ride Reprise and The Seed. Excellent stuff. Very excellent. Anyway, look, we're, we're at the end. Um, I hope you've enjoyed uh, sampling this excellent soundtrack with me. And oh, I certainly have. Um, thank you, Ollie, for joining us. Uh, not a problem. It was excellent. And yeah, apologies, Ollie, for all the technical difficulties. We had a few problems making this episode, and um, yeah, just technical stuff. <laughs> not to worry, though. Um, that's it. So we're going to close out now with. A version of the main theme from Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence. Um, and this is from the album Ryuichi Sakamoto Music for Film, performed by the Brussels Philharmonic Orchestra. It's really great. And this, this theme song, it's one of these songs that uh, no matter how it's arranged or what instruments are playing it, it seems to always have that... Um, emotional impact that the original has so yeah we'll listen to that um to close out and then after that i'm just gonna tag on the end another track from the 30th anniversary edition of the soundtrack that uh is not on the original it's m13 um and i can't read the japanese after that but it's just three minutes of super creepy synth sounds. So I hope you guys have all 
had a great Christmas. It's now after Christmas everywhere in the world. So, yeah. All right. See you, folks. Uh, thanks for tuning in to another bonus episode. Thank you, Ollie. It's always a pleasure. Right. And we'll catch you all next time. Stay synthetic.